off the ball. That was serious. He was furious. He wanted his net. Just won the World Cup and you won't let me clip a little panel of net. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. On Off The Ball. With Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, EFL, Scottish Premiership and much more. Live on Sky Sports. I'm prepared to end it my can. Well, do it then. Do it then. What about your start to the game? I was, it wasn't bad, was it? <laughs> Why should it be an honest answer be a mistake? How can a modern day manager not have a mobile phone? Why should he? Yes, welcome back to Off The Ball Saturday here on News Talk. Shane Hannan with you through until 5 o'clock this evening. It's time for OTB Football Saturday, brought to you by Sky. Watch every live Premier League game this season on Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. I should mention as well in the rugby, the second of Ireland's Autumn Internationals. It has finished at the Viva Stadium, Ireland 35, Fiji 17. It's looked like a fairly poor game overall as we watch... Uh, a goal in the early in the uh, three o'clock kickoff here, and it's Crescencio Somerville again for Leeds. Tottenham nil, Leeds one. That's uh, so an away goal early doors at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. But uh, yeah, as so I was mentioning, Ireland thirty-five, Fiji seventeen. Uh, good performances from Nick Timoney, Kieran Treadwell, Jeremy Lachlan, Lockman, uh, and Jimmy O'Brien. Uh, Tyg Byrne and Gary Ringrose very good as well in that match so uh, we'll cross back to Andy Dunn uh, shortly for reaction to that one it is time for OTB Football Saturday as I said and uh, delighted to be joined in studio by Dan McDonnell of the Irish Independent afternoon Dan afternoon Shane and we have David Connolly former Irish international striker on the line afternoon David how you doing Dan Shane hope you're well keeping well keeping well Dan you were celebrating 40 years of Johnny Ward last night he's not with us this afternoon folks he's uh, he's not dead to be clear he's not he's dead like, sorry, yeah, sorry. You clarify that. <laughs> yeah, just a 40th birthday for, for Johnny Ward what a man and um, a big number yeah a big number well I mean I hit it myself around number, months sorry, back yeah, so yeah. I mean obviously it's, it's very young but um, yeah look he had a, he had a surprise uh, he had a surprise sort of gathering last night very very rare to see Johnny Ward surprised any um, tears um, I mean, it's often you would see Johnny Ward tears, so I presume. I mean, it might be might be nothing to do with uh, the fortieth. He just yes. could have been uh, just could have been something to do with Galway United last week, which he's been crying about for most of the week anyway. Yeah, um, that's a fair point. A lot of emotions in his life at the moment, but uh, no, he had a he had a good celebration. Um, such a good celebration. He's he's not here. I think the reason he's not here is he thought he was been taken around the country uh, for some surprise. Surprise rather, properly rather worked just down the road. So I don't know. I don't know where he is now. Yeah. Um, but he's, He's uh, do you know where you send someone a message and uh, on WhatsApp and you have the like the one little grey tick which yes. shows that the phone is off. It's always a sign of a good night. I sent him a message a few minutes ago. It's got the grey tick. It's the grey tick. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully he's not feeling too great hey, today, well. Johnny. Uh, it's a big, it's a big number, David. I, I was just checking your Wikipedia there. You, you, you did. I'm not going to reveal exactly what number you're on, but you have hit the the forty number. Oh yeah, I think I'm well past the forty number now. You know, so um, I think the, the beard gives it away because it's. I kind of it's kind of a little like Father Christmas, um, but uh, yeah, definitely past the forty lads. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's one I haven't quite had yet. Yeah, listen, just yeah, whatever. Just yeah, to rub just it in. Just, just go down with the show. Yeah, oh, yeah. like whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Move on. Do you know, David? He played football at sometimes. Yeah, you know that. You're aware of all this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get worried now when you start actually like interviewing footballers, and it's like you know, what's the first World Cup you watched? And it's like 2014 or something. It's yeah, like, what yeah. the hell is going on here? 98 you know? was mine. 98 was mine. Like the, the staple, um, the staple interview technique, probably just probably more so after like David finished, obviously, but it would be more the sort of players in, when I was sort of started doing the Irish team and say 06, 07 like yeah. it would be very much uh, oh, Italian 90 memories and stuff I mean now you're looking at these lads and they're like don't oh, remember yeah, yeah, anything they've heard of it yeah, yeah they've yeah. heard of it but, 2002 um, was just a dream yeah um, yeah it's funny you know, I, I remember not to age you David at all but I remember being a kid 
at Lansdowne Road games around. It was probably around the the one qualifying campaign. Um, going to Lansdowne, the old Lansdowne Road for the first time, waiting yeah. for waiting for player autographs after the match. Distinctly remember David Connolly as being one of those players who would uh, consistently sign everyone's uh, autograph and wait for the kids and pose for the photographs. You were always very well, good, David, with your time. I have to say. Well, I, I don't know, but I've told this story before because when I was a kid, you know, um, I was a big Liverpool fan, you know, and um, I, I wrote to Jim Beglin. You know, and um, I've told this story before, but but I was just a fan. I just wrote to him, you know, a big fan of yours, you know, because obviously Liverpool at the time had a lot of Irish lads, and um, for some reason, don't ask me why, but probably Jim didn't have that many, you know, fans that would probably write to him. I'm sure they'd probably write to Ian Rush or or King Kenny, but um, he sent me tickets to a game, you know, and and, and it lives in the memory that, that I went up to Anfield, um, sort of as a. I don't know, I was probably 10. It was 10 years old, something like that. You know, great uh, great occasion. So I think it's in, uh, yeah, it was always, that always stuck with me, you know. And uh, I've, I've seen Jim down the years now, you know, at games. And um, in those days, like, that would have been, no one would have known about that. You know, that was just done, sort of, nothing would have been on social media then about, you know, a sort of player doing something like that, you know, to, to a fan, for a fan, for a little kid, you know. So, yeah, that was brilliant. You don't you don't forget things like that. Like I remember Rory McIlroy. No. Rory McIlroy's talked about how he he tries to stop for for kids and give them golf balls and autographs and all the rest because he remembers meeting Roy Keane mm. and uh, not having a very positive encounter with Roy Keane when he was a kid. So <laughs> it's probably that sort of thing. Like you you, you do remember that as a, as a kid, David, and that's probably yeah. why you were so conscientious well, of stopping. Well, I don't know. I also remember you know like a few kids saying, you know, do you want us to look after your car? You know, my brother, he lives around the corner and you might lose your wheels and stuff at Anfield. <laughs> I remember those things as well, you know. <laughs> it was a good, uh, it was a good, it was a good old like night, you know, that's for sure. Absolutely. Uh, we should touch on the early game in the Premier League because remarkable scenes at the Etihad. Uh, Manchester City 1, Brentford 2, Ivan Tony. Uh, who didn't make Gareth Southgate's England squad during the week, but he's uh, really stuck the two fingers up to Gareth Southgate in many ways this afternoon with a pair of goals, including a 97th minute winner. Uh, so seven minutes into ten minutes of at a time. You were watching this game, David. What a win for Brentford. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. I mean, um, I guess they showed, the, they showed the way, right? How to play against Haaland in terms of, um, you know, being sort of aggressive with him. Um, they defended pretty well. Um, and obviously were such a threat. I mean, they could have had so many goals, right? I mean, uh, you know, fantastic. I, I think the interesting thing is, I say for, 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 for Tony, it, it was, I think he was a long shot to get in anyway, right? Mm. And obviously it was close between whoever, him and Callum Wilson. Um, but he gives you bits maybe that other strikers don't. But at least Gareth had the, the decency to call him up and had a conversation with him. And, and I think Gareth said, you know, Ivan took it really well. And, you know, and I think, uh, I think that's really telling because you never know. His time might come. It might come pretty quickly, right? I mean, there might be injuries today. You just don't know. Yeah. Uh, someone might get injured in the next week or two. So I think how that news is delivered, because I've been in that situation, you know, uh, is so important. And, um, you know, being a manager, it's great for those lads that are in, but those lads that have just missed the cut or not involved, you know, I think at least at least Gareth had the, the sort of uh, decency to, to give them a buzz and, and, and explain maybe why not or how close they were, etc. But there's one way to go and put on a performance, right? And that's against the champions. And, you know, he was superb. Yeah, big time. And then, like, Dan, it's it's one of those things, like, if Arsenal beat Wolves Molyneux tonight, now they go five points ahead at the top. Like, we're all <clears> talking about... Oh, it's just a matter of time before Arsenal start losing and City push on. But I mean, it's only one game today. But still, it's there's a blueprint there of beating Man City. Yeah, no, look, I mean, this is it. I mean, 
like you, you, you feel like Arsenal would need to have a, a, you know, a bigger gap than that to suddenly start to, yeah. to dream from their perspective. And um, I don't know, like this is probably, a, I think it's a funny weekend of fixtures because the World Cup is looming, you know. And I mean, I, I didn't see all of this game earlier. And obviously, you know, Pep was speaking beforehand and like this idea of resting players, like, mm. you, you know, you, you rule it out. Um, but, you, you know, you've got to imagine somewhere in the back of the mind of some players, you know, they'll have the World Cup. I mean, you see, anytime you see a player go down injured now today, or there's a bit of stuff oh. about, um, uh, you know, just various bits and bobs of like, you know, little knocks and stuff. And there's obviously a concern. So you kind of wonder, like, are, are, are players in some way inhibited? But that, I mean, that doesn't ex- explain the result. And to be fair, like there was periods of the game where City were well on top. And um, like, I actually just had to leave here to come in. Um, so I watched the first five minutes of the second half and had to go and like City were sort of killing them after half time and you yeah. sort of accept to, expect to come in and just wonder what score it was <laughs> and it's you know it's the other way but I suppose if Arsenal can get into the break with that with that lead as you mentioned um, it gives the players that aren't travelling you know it gives all the staff time to just sort of think about it mm. the time to recharge like you sort of assume that um, you know where where the underdog falls down is that like the the quality of the superior squad comes to the fore over time. But they, those who aren't going to the World Cup get a little bit of a chance to relax and just Arteta even and, and his staff to just okay, you know, um, just take a breath, see where they are, and and see where they go. I still think they're going to win the league. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe like five points and and it gives everyone a little bit more time to to think about it as they go into this break. It's mad, like. I was watching the, the Carabao Cup fourth round draw on telly the other night, David, and of course it, it served up Man City-Liverpool, which is going to be, a, which, sorry, on paper would have been a cracker, but you've got the World Cup final, and then two days later, you've got, you know, on the World yeah. Cup final on the Sunday, and then these Carabao Cup fourth round games are on the Tuesday and Wednesday. It, yeah. Isn't it just madness that we're still watching Premier League and the World Cup is only days away? <laughs> yeah, it is, but I think, you know, um, it's one thing playing in the World Cup, obviously there's, there's you've got the knockout stages, the final is... There's only two teams that are going to contest the final, right? So um, I think you, you can kind of, for a lot of players, that 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 would be that's not really going to affect them. Let's be frank, right? And you look at some teams, Liverpool. I think they're doing a training camp in Dubai, so if the lads do get knocked out or whatever from around the world, they're just hopping, you know, a little short short sort of um, uh, flight over over to Dubai from 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 Qatar or whatever. So you've got that in the back of your mind. And you know what? The cup. I was at Bournemouth. Um, I worked on Bournemouth Everton, you know. You're right. Yeah. And 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 you know, at Wigan we we reached this cup final, you know, um, against Man United. I sort of missed. I played every round and then didn't play the final. But nonetheless, the point being, you know, it can give those players on the periphery a chance, right? It can give those players that need a bit of form a chance. It. I, I think. I think what might come in, which I think, I think might be a really good thing with this new. I don't know if you've seen the new finance deal. They're talking that clubs in Europe might not enter this cup in the future, and I think that might be a good. I think that might be a good thing. So maybe you won't see the monopoly of a Man City dominating this League Cup. You know, mm. and you might see sides like a, like you know, like a Bournemouth. You know, Travers played. I thought Bournemouth were brilliant against Everton. You know, Everton much changed team and they got spanked like like they kind of deserved to get well beaten. You know, so I think this cup competition much people much. Much maligned, but I think it's a real, you know, flabbit competitions playing under the lights is brilliant. You ask any player, you know, and a lot of players would want to get to a, a final, want to win something, you know. So um, I don't think it'd be a bad thing in this new deal if that happens that clubs in Europe 
don't enter this cup competition, and then maybe it will it will throw it open a bit more than, than what it is. Well, I think they're, yeah, they're, they're, something's going to have to give with those clubs <coughs> in Europe as well, with the new sort of Swiss format of the Champions League and the extra. Um, the extra games that have been added to the to the mix and and the way that the fixtures are spread out, even with the Europa League as well, some of their games are going to be on different weeks, the Champions League week. Mm. So just like I'd imagine, like there's, that's got to be related factor to some of the thinking as well too. Um, and I would, I mean, you look at a club like Newcastle have won nothing, you know, and yeah. and like sort of in, in the fairest in, cup in '69, yeah, like trophy. in the lifetime of a you know a lot of their sort of match going fans, I've never seen them do anything and. I think that's always one of the things about the some of the, the sort of maybe I don't know sadness is the wrong word, but like the lack of romance about the the, the Premier League in some respects that um, your know, clubs that are 11, 12, 13, 14, like they just have to when it comes to the FA Cup and when mm. it comes to sort of the cup competitions, like the reason City and, and the big teams dominate it is because they can rotate and still be fine, yeah. and these other teams can't because there's so much about survival or Premier League placing and. Um, like you know, you'd have the odd story in recent memory, like Birmingham won it, but then they got relegated, yeah. which was almost a res- you know, almost ba- in some ways like backs up the view of what what would have been better for them, you know. Yeah, and yet, fair. but then you'd speak to like Keith Fatty was involved and like players involved with it. You know, it's a memory that you know, Stephen Carr, like it's they're okay trophy, with it. Yeah. It's like Wigan, you know, Wigan won the FA Cup as well too. You know, like the the the. Um, you know, the, the memories of those last. I mean, Leicester a couple of years back, they missed out in the Champions League. Yeah, it would have been brilliant, but they won the FA Cup and that's yeah. something that will live with them forever. And um, when you see sort of teams who've won nothing in a long time, sometimes just right off these cup competitions. Um, yeah. And you can see why, you can understand why. Oh, you do understand. Like I mean, managers like the, the, you know, managers will get sacked on the basis of their league position generally, yeah. you know, and, and a cup thing might, uh, might preserve them a bit. But I understand where the sort of pragmatism comes from. Um, but it's not always very uh, uh, endearing, you know. That uh, yeah, the, the the you, lads, just just on that chain of down, right? Because Everton they, they're one 0 down at the minute again. Bournemouth have scored, right? So say say Frank makes eleven changes. You're a manager of a football club, and you mentioned it there about you know obviously the cup might not be that important or whatever, and they make the changes. You make eleven changes. You know the pressure that is now heaped on you to then mm. go and perform a few days later in the league. So now they're back down at Bournemouth, right? Those Everton fans, uh, Frank Lampard went over there and his hands did not leave his pockets. There was no way he was going to attempt to appease those fans and give them a round of applause for, for coming because they would have given him, you know, you know what. Mm. And, and I think I think it's just a fine balancing act between thinking about your league and, and, and treating the cup with contempt because all those lads who travelled down you know, all those fans or whatever, you know, travel down from, from Merseyside to go and get whacked 4-1 and then they'll be back there again a few days later. You, you make a rod for your own back once you make so many changes because the pressure is on them to go and get a performance and points a few days later. So, you know, it's a, it's a real fine line, you know, how, how you treat those cup competitions. It, it really is. Like that, uh, you mentioned Mark Travers, David. He was the only Irish interest in that game on, on uh, midweek, the Bournemouth 4-1 yeah. win. Yeah. Um, you said he played well? Yeah, yeah, he did, yeah. I mean, look, I have seen him live. I saw him against Spurs, and he had, I thought he, he, he looked rusty. Let's just say he looked rusty. He come, he come for a few things. He missed, he missed one ball in the box they scored from, and he looked, he looked like he just needed more games. You know, but against Everton, he was excellent. And, uh, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure Mark will be absolutely, I think he'll be absolutely fine. Now, you know, with games under his belt, he'll, he'll get better and better and better. But I think those first couple of games, when he got back in, he was maybe just, you know, just finding his feet a little bit, you know. Yeah, but he was, he was, yeah, he was good. He was really good. You know, he could play out from the back, 
compared to Begovic, who used to be at Bournemouth, was in goal for Everton. You know, they look just look very, very good. You know, um, and and uh, I think Gary Neville's done a good job there. You know, in, in spite of maybe not getting the points and stuff, he, you know, they played really, well, really, really well when I've seen them. It, it's worked out okay. Like I mean, Travers had that, that tough start to the season and that that nightmare at sort of Anfield and and um, you know he loses his place and and the fear is like. What if he doesn't play another game this season? Which is plausible because Neto started well and as, as David mentions, Gary O'Neill is doing well and naturally he's not going to change. So it's actually great for Travers that, I mean, bad for Neto, but great for Travers he's managed to get back in that yeah. even if, even like if he, if he does maybe end up not playing like every game across the rest of the season that at least there's an element of, um, I don't know, his last memory isn't the, that, that being dropped after those handful of games. He's managed to get back in and, okay, he's had one or two tough games since he's come back in too, but maybe he's just regaining some of that confidence that made him such a good player. Like He got a five-year deal last season because yeah. how well he did, but um, you know, the Premier League is obviously very demanding and, I mean, Bazzini's had one of some of his issues with it too as well. You know, it's, it's a tough level to suddenly play at every week. Jesus, we have some talent in the goalkeeping ranks, don't we? As we watch, uh, we're just watching 26 minutes played here at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Harry Kane has just equalised uh, four Spurs at home to Leeds. So Crescencio Somerville had given Leeds a lead, an early enough lead in that game uh, after 10 minutes. And then Harry Kane just there has equalised, took the ball down nicely, uh, held off the uh, Leeds defender. And that's the there's going to be a, I don't know, is this goal? Check. There's, there's the claim for a foul on the keeper. Um, right. Yeah, Elan Melier looking for a, He's looking, looking for, for a foul. It. Uh, Harry Kane with his hands up as if to say let me have my goal let me have my goal um, a few claps yeah it's one of these things you can't get, you can't get excited I'll update people on the other goals around the Premier League uh, the goal has stood so Tottenham 1 leads 1 uh, the early game of course we mentioned Man City 1 Brentford 2 it's now Bournemouth 2 Everton 0 Marcus Tavernier and Kiefer Murrow with the goals there for Bournemouth. So uh, not a good afternoon so far for just just, team. just on what I was saying, I was reading Jacob Steinberg um, updating from um, West Ham Leicester. Like James Madison has now gone off. Um, Declan Rice was down having treatment earlier. Madison has now gone off, and you sort of wonder Jeez. again, like, well, I don't know, David. Can you imagine like the sort of the the feeling in a player's head? I mean, you've you've been through a World Cup, and I'm sure there was, you know. The degree of nerves coming into it about your well-being, but of course it was at the end of the season, so there was a sort of a long, a longer preparation time for it. Um, yeah, like, can you imagine the psychology of having a World Cup next week? Yeah, I mean, look, as you mentioned, right, lads going down, but, but you know, those players that have been close to the squad or in the squad, like say Madison, obviously boosted with the squad, no doubt boosted his performance right today. Come up with a goal, but he might be coming off injured. I mean. Um, Obviously, it's in the back of your mind. This can work two ways, right? Because from my own point of view, after we played the World Cup for Ireland, I think I came back and within two weeks, I was back training with my club. I then played a game of pre-season a couple of days later and I, I, I then injured my medial ligament so badly I missed like four months. Now, there's no way I probably should have had just two weeks break and there's no way after coming back training, I should have had a couple of days training before then going playing a game. You know, so I look back on that. I think, uh, you know, was that the right care for me as a player? Probably not. I look at these lads though, and I say, well, they do get very well cared for. They, you know, medical, sports science, loading, the data that is given to all these clubs is a lot better than it was, you know, 20 years ago. Make no mistake. So these lads will be really, really well looked after. However, if you need points on the board, right, and you're a top player, you're not going to be wrapped up in cotton wool, are you? If you're 
you know, if you're James Madison or whatever and you're Leicester, you, you need to be playing irrespective of the World Cup because ultimately they pay your wages. They can't afford to, even with a World Cup at stake, yeah. you know, that you've got to climb the table. So there's no way that these lads won't be playing, you know, because you're like, they're the best, they're the best of the best. So you can't afford to, to wrap them up in cotton wool. No, but, and like that's it, they have to play, but I suppose it's the psychology of, I don't know, players coming off the pitch injured and the type of thing that you want to play on, like the natural yeah. instinct is to play well, on. And someone yeah. asks you, how are you feeling? Like, and you're sort of thinking, sometimes, you, I don't know, players might, you can play something down in that situation because you don't want to be taken off, but what, what are you thinking in this oh, scenario, you know? I, I, yeah, it's very difficult, Dan, because say, for example, you, you, know, you, can't, you can't fool the fans. Those mm. fans will know if you're, you know so to speak, throwing one in or, you know, not going the full yards, you know. So, you know, not every fan of Leicester is a fan of England. Mm. You know, they, they, so, so uh, it's, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's, it's, it's a fine line. And also, these players become so great because they're always playing on the edge. You're always playing on the edge of injury or mm. of, of worried about your place or performing to get to the next level. I mean, I think it's just something you... You know, you're you're just always contending with, right? So, um, you know, there's no way any of these lads will, will want to be wrapped up. I, I think maybe a Messi. I think I believe he might have missed the last game at Barca or something. But you know, I think I think for every everyone else, I think you know, you you just play and and you just you know that's that's, that's the only way there is. It's uh, yeah. So so it's West Ham nil, Leicester one. Madison had actually scored the goal to give Leicester the lead on eight minutes. Uh, Taken off looks like a hamstring injury. He did walk off the pitch, but. It's mm. not good, is it? No, um, no. Maybe not good for him. For him, obviously, wait and see what the the scans tell us and what um, is, is said after the game. But uh, it's like it's even one of those things. I, I'm watching Tottenham Leeds here, and I'm thinking there's a couple of the USA lads in the Leeds team. Like, are you thinking in your head? I could, <laughs> I could take Harry Kane out of it here and take my red card. And oh, that's taking it to another level now. But it, you know, that's it, taking it to another if level. You were, if you're uh, if you're thinking about your World Cup and not not too concerned about picking up your little cheeky red card or two yellows for a couple of little digs here and there. Uh, maybe uh, maybe that doesn't happen in football, does it, David? Uh, no, it doesn't. No, I don't think that, I don't think that does happen. But I think, you know, look, if you're talking about certain players, I mean, Madison didn't play in the cup, did he, midweek? Yeah. You know, so there's only so much you can do, right? And, and otherwise, it's down to, you know, uh, you know, I know a lot of these lads now, they're having, they've got their own chefs, right? They've got their own physios. They have their own uh, analysts. You know, they, they, these are athletes of the highest level we're talking about. And sometimes it could just be, who knows, unfortunate, yeah, bad luck. You know, I don't yeah. think you can do much more than that, you know. Uh, Anfield Liverpool 2 Southampton 1 is the latest score after 32 minutes so uh, Bobby Firmino giving Liverpool the lead on 6 minutes he of course didn't make the Brazilian World Cup squad uh, Shea Adams equalising for Southampton 3 minutes later but Darwin Nunez has uh, restored Liverpool's lead Harvey Elliott with the assist for that goal which occurred on 21 minutes so it's Liverpool 2 Southampton 1 City ground as well it's Nottingham Forest nil. Crystal Palace nil, uh, so we'll keep an eye on uh, plenty of those fixtures happening across across the water. While in the Championship, uh, the goals that have gone in: Coventry City one, QPR nil. It's Hull City one, Reading nil. Jacob Greaves with that goal. Uh, Luton Town nil, Rotherham one. 
It's Norwich 1, Middlesbrough 0, Joshua Sargent with the goal. Preston and Millwall are uh, locked at 2-2. It's put more goals in that game than Preston's season. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. To that, four goals in a Preston game is yeah. breaking all the... Uh, that doesn't happen. The rules. Yeah. Uh, so they're the, the goals across the Championship uh, so far. We do have to take an ad break, lads, but we'll, uh, we'll be back uh, very shortly with myself, Shane Hannon. We've got Dan McDonnell here and we've got David Connolly on the line as well. Uh, so plenty still to come between now and five o'clock. Just time to uh, remind you as well about uh, an event that's coming up for us here on... On, um, uh, on Off The Ball so the World Cup of course almost upon us Off The Ball and Budweiser have teamed up to bring you a special preview event on the 17th of November in the Camden our special guests on the night are ex-Celtic and Wales star John Harton the ex-Irish international Damien Delaney and the ex-Ireland and Leeds star John Giles to get tickets for this exclusive off-air event head over to otbsports.com that's all in association with Budweiser the official beer of the FIFA World Cup always drink responsibly get the facts visit drinkaware.ie back with OTB Football Saturday after this Yep, welcome back to Off The Ball Saturday here on News Talk. Shane Hannon with you through until 5. OTB Football Saturday brought to you by Sky. Watch every live Premier League game this season on Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. We have Dan McDonald of the Irish Independent in studio and we have David Connolly, the former Irish international striker, on the line. We'll be joined uh, after 4 o'clock by Brian Gartland of Dundalk to uh, we'll look ahead to the FEI Cup final tomorrow as well. Uh, so plenty to get into. Man City 1, Brentford 2 was the uh, score of the early kickoff. Uh, at the Premier League so two goals from Ivan Toney including a 97th minute winner in stoppage time to win that one for Brentford it's Bournemouth 2 Everton 0 after 39 minutes in the Premier League uh, similar times on the clock at Anfield Liverpool 2 Southampton 1 Firmino and Nunez with the goals for Liverpool it's Forest 0 Palace 0 Tottenham 1 Leeds 1 is the game we're watching on television in the studio here West Ham 0 Leicester City 1 uh, also at London Stadium James Madison who scored the goal for Leicester as we were saying earlier limping off with what looked to be a hamstring injury it's uh, so worrying uh, times for Gareth Southgate as he waits to see uh, what the extent of that injury is for James Madison at half five it's Newcastle against Chelsea at St James's Park and then 7.45pm is Wolves versus Arsenal tomorrow at Molyneux uh, the two games t- tomorrow of course live commentary of both of those games tomorrow and off the ball uh, from uh, two o'clock it's Brighton against Aston Villa and half past four Fulham versus Manchester United so both games live here and off the ball on News Talk keep your texts coming in to uh, 53106 we're live uh, for the next uh, hour and a half or so and uh, of course you can comment and watch on the uh, YouTube, Facebook or Twitter streams as well um, Dave just, uh, just wanted to pick up on something you were saying there before the break you were talking about the Carabao or the League Cup final you were playing with or you were involved for Wigan against Manchester United you, you played every game in the build up to the final but didn't weren't involved in the final is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I, I probably wouldn't have started, but I pulled my hamstring in the uh, in those days. We had uh, it was two legged semi final. Right. Yes, of course. So, you know, um, nowadays I think I'm sure we'll get on to uh, you know the, the merits of of doing away with the two legged uh, semi final. But probably if it had gone to straight depends in 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 those days. I mean, we were home against Arsenal the first leg. Don't know if we'd have got through. I'd, I'd, look, it's hard to tell, right? But certainly. Uh, the penalties, as we saw the other night, you know, make, make, makes it kind of kind of exciting. It probably does fit in with the calendar in terms of, you know, um, sort of, I guess, you know, trying to have a conclusion to these games on on the one night. You know, certainly makes uh, makes it exciting as we saw with you know Liverpool and um, even Blackburn, you know, the other night. Yeah, definitely, it, it adds to the it adds to the intrigue. I think when the two legged is done away with Dan, isn't it? Like well it's just but I think it's just like we were saying earlier like I mean with the demands on players with fixtures and even just little tweaks to the international calendar I know that when Qatar 
like Qatar has been a massive uh, factor in that. Yeah. But, but even without it, the way things are going, like yeah, those are the things that go. It's like sort of uh, kind of wonder, you know, the, the fate of the FA Cup replays as well <laughs> too, and and these things that are, you know, there's there's a great tradition contained within them. Um, but there comes a point where you sort of something has to give, you know. Like it's very, you know, you're never going to have a, a shorter Premier League season. I'm just watching Leeds score again here. Jeez. It's actually been a, this has been a really good game. Yeah, um, sort of. Uh, Spurs dominating possession, but Leeds just have that threat when they go forward, don't they? Yeah. And to Rodrigo with the goal for Leeds to put them two one up, forty three minutes played. Yeah, yeah, but it is it is certainly a thing that um like you know player welfare. I know like um it's sort of one of these lines that people will throw their you know sometimes they'll throw their eyes up when they look at the, the money they're paid and all of that but yeah. there comes a point where like you see these players uh, particularly the ones who have sort of grueling international schedules that they they burn out after a couple of seasons and and you, you sort of need to have a little bit of give in the calendar sometimes and the cup competitions is the one thing where you can mix things up a bit yeah but the one-legged ones are good like they, as I said penalty shoot out the other night and um, more of that is no harm for sure and Cuevin Kelleher the king of the penalty shootout I mean he's he's building a reputation as someone who you know if, if Liverpool are in, are in a big game and Alisson's in goals and it's about to go to penalties do you bring Cuevin on <laughs> you probably don't but I mean there's the argument there he saves, he saves more penalties than any keeper in Liverpool history it's crazy yeah I mean it's, it's, it's great for him because he had that injury sort of this contentious what happened with his injury was it an Irish shoot here what happened with it whatever it was like he missed the start of the season and even getting towards the end of the Champions League then when Liverpool are qualified you're thinking is he going to get in for a game here and uh, he didn't but then he like he so he literally has had one chance to impress yeah. and he's um, and he's taken it um, but I mean Kelleher was the one that like he, uh, he did the press conference on Ireland during the summer before those four games where it was for the first time he really spoke as though he was thinking about moving you yeah. know the first time where he really said oh, we'll have to see what happens this summer and then he had an injury in pre-season and you kind of wonder um, would that have any had impact on his on, on where he stood now it's clearly like Klopp loves him clearly mm. they want him around but there is going to come a point in his development where he needs to play more regularly um, yeah. does he need that move away know, David sooner rather than later yeah yeah like I mean I, I think probably you know Gavin Bizzuno might you know, the path that you can sometimes tread in terms of, you know, Gavin going alone and then, um, you know, you catch the eye of of a club, you know, and then and then you get that move to, well, as he is now, he's at a Premier League club, Gavin, as as, as a number one. Would he have got that move if it had stayed at, at, uh, at Man City? You know, probably not. I mean, Cleveland has made that, that call. Whether he would have gone on loan, I don't know. Is that down the same? We're, we're not too sure, are we? But... Um, Certainly, I think I think there does come a point that you know, and it'll, I reckon he's probably at that point now, and and maybe it, it it might be I don't know, it might be January time. He might look to can he get out and go and play somewhere, you know? Yeah. Um, and and I don't really think it matters necessarily the level because I, I, I tell you what, if you're a Premier League club, right? If you're a uh, a Southampton, any of these clubs like that. They, 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 their recruitment, and I know some of these people that work at these football clubs. You know, they know every player from you know 14 up to you know 20 odd in all of these Premier League clubs, and they will know whether they are worth five million, ten million now, like like Southampton did with you know they bought three lads from Man City. You know, um, uh, Leiva, they got they got Gambazunu, uh, Edozi, um, uh, you know, and they bought them for 
I think whatever five ten million each. I think they turned down a fifty million pound offer from Chelsea, you know, for mm. uh, for Labour, and so they'll know about Cuevan. And it's just whether it comes up that opportunity because I think then then he's on an even playing field with with um, Travers and and Gavin, you know, in terms of being that that number one. But I think while he's on the periphery at Liverpool, the odd cup game, I, I think. It's very difficult for him to to ever be ahead of those two. Yeah, I mean, look, look at Kelleher's twenty four mm. um, next month, you know, and or later this month, sorry, and like he's never played sort of he's never played a sort of that full men's season like yeah. that that sort of you know putting his feet up at the end of the season having played like thirty or forty games and like that's so unusual because generally under twenty three level is the cut off where a lot of players who aren't making it at a club get released you yeah know, and or, they, or they go on loan or they get out there and they do it or they've done a loan. And um, he hasn't done that. Like, mm. it's so I, I can't think of too many ex- examples off the top of my head of someone his age who probably would have played that little, yet is clearly operate, able to operate at an extremely high level when he does, um, based on sort of the, you know, his, you know, his training, development, etc. Um, like he's, he's ready. Yeah. He appears to be ready. Um, so, I mean, it really is at that stage where you just, you probably do just have to move on. Do you, know, yeah. do you, not, do you not think, though, that the goalkeepers are the exception to that rule mm. of, of being that, of being of such a age where they may not have had much first team football? You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of examples of, of goalkeepers who, you know, very rarely then been the number one. And if they have been the number one, you know, Danny Ward, for example, at Leicester for a yeah. long time hasn't been the number. You know, I think you can be unfortunate. It doesn't mean you're not good enough or not ready. But, he, 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 you know, th- th- I think they are the exception to the rule of, of being a certain age and, you know, not being, you know, not having enough first team football. I, I, I think that point has got to come now for him. Even probably this season, I'd imagine January time he should be. You know, another whole season without. I think that's difficult. Yeah, hard to argue with that. Uh, incidentally, Gavin Bazunu does did start today for Southampton. Nathan Jones's first game in charge. It's half time there. Uh, he's conceded unfortunately three goals for him uh, in the first half. Liverpool three, Southampton one. So Firmino with the first, and uh, Darwin Nunez has got the other two for Liverpool in that game. Just want to touch, lads, uh, for you like the match day experience and match going experience. Uh, he's both experienced this in different countries but uh, this talk that um, so they're currently supporters are prohibited at Premier League games from consuming alcohol within sight of the pitch uh, at English top flight matches calls to overturn this law so it's been in place since the football hooliganism days of course since uh, the mid 80s in England but um, uh, basically they're trying to stop people from coming into games late because they all stay in the pub to get those last couple of pints in and then end up coming into the stadiums later uh, but uh, football policing chief Mark Roberts says it's going to be a terrible idea uh, that removing this ban would actually cause severe problems, drinks routinely thrown in the air by fi- fans widely celebrating. Like, there is the argument then of, you know, like I was at a game in Germany a few years ago. And Germany, I was going to say, is, yeah, the, um, yeah, is an example. But maybe it just can't happen in England. Well, I'd, I'd be interested more so get David's perspective because, like, from the, the uh, you know, you've played in some intimidating places or yeah. difficult grounds. The idea of... Uh, you know, alcohol being on sale within it. I mean, I don't like. I, I do think sometimes in this country, right? You have this thing where, say, at the Aviva Stadium for a period of time, you can get it at rugby matches and you can't get it at football matches. And there's a certain stereotyping. Of, like, what's going on here? Now, I know that there can be competition rules and there can be various factors for that, but there is a, and a sort of a. It's a thing there. It's a little bit sort of implicit of like, mm, not sure if we trust this lot. Yes. Um, and I, I would, I would naturally take umbrage at that, but I don't know then what the the players' perspective would be on it, David. Mm, I mean, 
I, I, I understand what you're saying in terms of, uh, well, should everyone be treated the same? I, I'm really reticent on this because um, I'm, not, I'm not too sure you, you know, I'm not too sure the two crowds, well, look, we know the two crowds are different, right? A rugby crowd and a football crowd, no matter what you say. I think I think uh, they are different. The behaviour is different. Uh, I'm not saying rugby, the, the rugby crowd are, are saints, far from that, but um, there is certainly, it's, and I think it's getting worse. I think I've, I've spoken on this before. I've been going to work to a game on a Saturday and there'd be lads opposite me openly taking drugs go, and mm. they've got the shirts on going to the stadium, you know, a Premier League ground. So not only are they going into the grounds, you know, uh, they're, they're under the influence in ways, you know, some are visible, some you, you don't really see, you know. So um, I think they've got a big issue. And to me, the disorder uh, at times looks like it's getting worse. It doesn't look like it's, it's ever mm. improving. I don't know, alcohol at the stadium, uh, uh, trying, to, trying to make them consume more on the pitch, above the stands, would it be thrown everywhere on top of your head? I'm not so sure. Um, I, I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the answer is. I think the pub pre-game is a kind of ritual mm. and I've done that once or twice. It can be, it's quite nice, right? <laughs> you know, you want to meet the lad, you want to have a pint, you know, um, but obviously, you know, it's part of the, it's part of the ritual of going to football, but, uh, and I think it's hard to impose something on, on fans when, you know, you, you, you can't control everything. I think you can, you can, you can do your best to police it, but it's, it's difficult to put, uh, I, it's, it's a difficult one. I don't really have, have the answer. I, I do know that if you're a player, you kind of, just get on with your game, right? And whether you get, you know, bit, whether it's a bit, it's a bit more lively on the terraces or not. As long as it's safe and everything, I think players prefer to play, you know, in a good atmosphere. Whether that sometimes, you know, people, you know, a little bit merry. There's nothing wrong with that, is there? You know, there's nothing wrong with with enjoying yourself. Um, you know, as long as the atmosphere is, is is pretty good, you ask the players, they'd much rather play in a good atmosphere than somewhere a bit more sterile and boring. You know, so that that's for sure. Uh, we do have to let you go, David, but ju- maybe just before we do, the Irish squad name this week, uh, just briefly, Evan Ferguson and Will Smallbone, exciting additions to Stephen Kenny's squad. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, um, Evan's done great, hasn't he? You know, uh, 21s and he's, he's amongst the goals. So, yeah, I think uh, I think certainly they're, they're exciting, you know, exciting additions. I think obviously Stoke could do with their performances, you know, b- being more regular and picking up, but Will's a terrific player as well. So, you know, that's all good. And look, we've got competition because and Stevens, Ryan Manning, you know, d- difficult for them to get in the squad. So, th- you know, that, that, that kind of bodes well. So, um, yeah, and a, a, another striker in there just in case. I think, I think Will Keane might be struggling. So it's good we've got another forward in the, in the ranks. Yeah, hopefully they can add uh, some more goals for sure. Dave, David, great stuff as always. Thanks a million for your time this afternoon. Take care, guys. David Connolly there, the former Irish international striker and Premier League player, of course, as well. Just uh, time to tell you, uh, one of the world's greatest motivational endurance athletes and best-selling author David Goggins is coming to Dublin for the first time on February 17th, 2023. Tickets can be picked up now at www.inextremist.ie. That's I-N-X-T-R-E-M-I-S.ie. Each night this week and each day, we're giving away two tickets to see David Goggins live in the Convention Centre in Dublin. One lucky prize winner will also be upgraded to Platinum Tickets, which includes a signed copy of his book and a meet and greet photo. To enter, just follow at inextremist.ie and like and share the social post on our channels. OTB Football Saturday uh, with myself and Dan McDonald will be joined by Brian Gartland of Dundalk in studio right after the news. 
Yeah, you're welcome back to Off The Ball Saturday here on Newstalk. Shane Hannan with you through until 5 o'clock. OTB Football Saturday brought to you by Sky. Get all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. Might just quickly run you through the, uh, the half times in the Premier League. Uh, so watching Bournemouth versus Everton in the first half was Dave Garrett. Bournemouth 2, Everton 0. Bournemouth have swamped Everton here. England goalkeeper Jordan Pickford made an error for the first. Dominic Solanke with a shot from 20 yards. Pickford should have dealt with it comfortably. It looked like he had it first. The keeper got two hands on the ball and then dropped it. And Marcus Tavernier was there to slot it into the net. It was kind of a Pickford assist. Dreadful for him on the eve of the World Cup. Something the Bournemouth fans have reminded Pickford of. To be fair to Pickford, he made a good save in the lead-up to the second, turning away a billing bullet acrobatically only for Tavernier to head the ball back. Goldwoods and Keeper Moore, who was almost on the goal line to flick it into the net with his forehead. Mikolenko had to go off with a head injury in the clash with Moore on the goal line, but I think it was right that the goal stood for the Welshman Moore, who is going to the World Cup, of course. They couldn't let a two-goal lead slip again, could they, Bournemouth? In fact, it could have been three. Solanke shooting wide on the turn on 40 minutes. Frank Lampard must be under pressure if Everton lose this. The Merseysiders have not had many chances. Mopay almost on the score sheet in the opening five minutes. He swivelled in the box and put his shot over it's blue skies and sunshine in November on the south coast it is a bit like Qatar Pickford might be wishing he was there already not great from him and even worse from Everton overall but Bournemouth are shaky with a two goal lead Bournemouth 2 Everton nil. yeah that's Bournemouth 2 Everton nil. Dave Garrett there with that one there so Jordan Pickford making a mistake in that game and uh the worrying uh, form, I suppose, heading into the World Cup, although it's just a mistake. We'll let him off. Uh, but there was probably more worrying news for Gareth Southgate on the injury front from uh, the London Stadium. It's uh, West Ham versus Leicester City and Guy Swindles. West Ham nil, Leicester won. Fascinating first half. Leicester dominated the early proceedings, deservedly took the lead through Madison as they walked through the West Ham defence in the eighth minute. But worryingly for England and the World Cup, Madison had to go off with an injury. No one near him when he went down, and that could be a concern for Southgate. After that, West Ham completely took control. If they'd taken any of their chances, and Paqueta had three excellent ones and spurned them all, and if uh, Leicester keeper... Danny Ward hadn't been on such fine form with two fabulous saves. Well, they'd have been level. As it was, Leicester should have doubled their lead just before the break when Dacca was fouled by Dawson. VAR made sure that the penalty was given, but Fabianski saved Tielemann's effort. West Ham nil, Leicester 1. There's been a number of goals at Anfield in the first half. Shane Pennington was watching Liverpool versus Southampton. It's Liverpool 3, Southampton 1 and so far it's been a tough afternoon for new Southampton manager Nathan Jones. He saw his side initially peg back Liverpool but after that they were very much second best. It was the host who took the lead on six minutes, Robertson's free kick headed home by Firmino. Then that Southampton equaliser three minutes later, Ward-Prowse with a free kick headed home by Che Adams. But as soon as Liverpool hit the front, they've not looked back. Harvey Elliott with a cross, followed home by Darwin Nunes to make it 2-1 and Nunes got his second of the afternoon three minutes before the break, tapping home from an Andy Robertson cross. It's Liverpool 3, Southampton 1. Let's hear about the first half from the game we're watching in studio here at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Watching Tottenham versus Leeds was Ian Beach. Tottenham 1, Leeds 2, Tottenham supporters booing the half-time whistle, Leeds leading this match twice, Crescencio Somerville one-on-one with Hugo Lloris after 10 minutes put them ahead, Harry Kane equalised, a slightly controversial one with the Leeds goalkeeper Ilian Melier bundled into his own net at a corner uh, just at the moment when Kane put the ball in, but VAR allowed that goal to stand, and Rodrigo just before half-time, also from a corner this time for Leeds, put Leeds back in front, the ball dropping 
over the uh, Tottenham defence and Rodrigo one-on-one -on -one with Luis putting the ball in the back of the net and all this despite the fact that Spurs are starting with Richarlison and Dejan Kulusevski in their starting lineup at half-time Tottenham one leads two and the final game that uh, was a three o'clock kickoff in the Premier League City ground it's Nottingham Forest against Crystal Palace and Adam Jury Nottingham Forest nil, Crystal Palace nil. Both sides have squandered decent chances to score, but the home fans audibly feel the Eagles should be down to 10 men as Mitchell fouled Lingard when he was through on goal, the ref only showing a yellow after deciding he wasn't the last man. The Eagles were then later awarded a penalty as Zaha went down easily under the arms of Worrell, but Zaha failed to take advantage of it as he shanked the ball wide of the post, and that sums up Palace's finishing so far. Half-time at the city ground, it's Nottingham Forest nil, Crystal Palace nil. Yeah, we're live and off the ball Saturday on Newstalk. We'll keep you up to date on those Premier League scores as they go in the second half still in studio uh, with Dan McDonald of the Irish Independent we're on the, the stream as well now YouTube, Facebook and Twitter uh, as per usual delighted to be joined as well in studio by the Dundalk Club captain Brian Gartland Brian how are things? Oh good Shane thanks for having me Keep it well your, uh, your season's over um, with Dundalk how's the body feeling after there? Yeah, my season started and ended on the, on the same well, day Well that's it yeah, yeah. But, um, You had a good game as well when you come on? Yeah I was delighted with it um, frustrating year for myself but for the club it was, a, it was a good successful year back in Europe and you know, it was part of the rebuild. It was uh, positive moves forward. It's a tough watching Rovers win it again. Must be must be difficult for other clubs when you have a team with with a bit of dominance. A three in a row is not easy to. Everyone starts to hate the team that that's winning. I suppose. Yeah, it is. It's it's hard for us. I suppose that we're there for Dundalk so long and mm. you know winning, seeing anybody winning. But um, I suppose realism kicks in, and you know, I mean, you've got your own job. We've got our own goals, and and that. Uh, to go but days like tomorrow in the FA Cup final and I suppose when, when they do lift the title yeah you, a bit of it does be there going but that's just competitive streaking you yeah how many cup finals in a row did you have was it was it sort of six was it six was it I think, yeah. yeah one three lost three so yeah um, you felt both emotions plenty of times so yeah yeah and it's sort of it's always the ones you lose the stick in the head yeah, ball, how you lose them as well so um, but they're, they're brilliant brilliant days my first time, I just copped this when you walked in, my first time ever talking on radio was the UCD, so I was the sports editor of the University Observer in UCD, you won't remember this, oh, right, this okay. was 20, what year is this, 20, maybe 13 or 14, Ireland were appointing a new manager, it would have been Mick McCarthy's? No, no, no Martin O'Neill, they, they were in November 2013. Think, yeah, over. Yeah. Myself, as the sports editor of the college paper, uh, Brian Gartland and Martin Russell were asked in to talk about who we thought should be the uh, you won't remember this it was the UCD college radio station and you came into UCD and, and spoke about who you think about Martin O'Neill and who you think should get the job so that was my first first time ever talking on radio was with Brian Gartland we've come uh, full circle I can't recollect it now actually. we've come full circle <laughs> it's a long time sports ago centre, I think, yeah it was yeah, it was yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, that's years ago he actually got paid for that as well <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got nothing I was crap uh, yeah useless but um, how, how's the body feeling Brian is it, there's I suppose the end of the season is when you start thinking about the next season and whether you want to go again and there's there's plenty of questions in your head probably that you have to come up with answers to. Yeah, I'm at a, I'm at a crossroads. Obviously, I'd done the ACL last year and that was year. You know you know you're out and then came back this year had a plantar fasciitis, a slight tear in it and then an aggravation to it after and then uh, just a minor injury, I suppose, towards the end of the season. So it was, it was tough that way, very tough mentally because it was just little bits. But I suppose... The big injury at my at my age just meant it a little bit longer to get the body back to that speed and um like to think I proved then on last Sunday against Derry that, you know, I'm back to that. <laughs> but um we'll see what the future holds, you know. Watch this space. Yeah. Uh yeah, well the fans the fans obviously wanted you to, to continue and keep going. They were impressed by your 
by your by your performance last week. Yeah, but you know, fans that can <laughs> that can change week in week out. Yeah, you know, of course. Uh, football's a game of opinions and it changes every week. So um, yeah. I would I wouldn't read too much into that. Ryan's always been a good man to deal with in terms of the media. Oh yeah, no, listen, I mean, he's, he's, he's got his own book now as well. Yeah, you know? yeah. He's done his I've book, so... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like, it's... Um, I think, like, that that Dundalk side, I'm sort of speaking about them in the past tense now, I don't mean it in that sure. sense, but I suppose that Dundalk team, probably in their pomp, when they sort of won their three in a row in, what, 2016 and, and sort of had their European year, it was always very open in sense of, like, you know, access to players and stuff, which I think like is important. I think that's one of the selling points for the league. Actually, is the accessibility of the characters and the people within it. I think even particularly in like cup final weekend, this is the thing. Like this is almost like a, you know, a showpiece weekend for yeah. the for the game here. It's the you know tomorrow afternoon you'll have. Uh, whatever the crowd will be, I think there's over 30,000 tickets gone um, at this stage. Like That's the biggest crowd the players that play in front of all season, pretty much. You know, Unless something mad happens in Europe, this will always be the biggest game they play, the biggest crowd they experience. And it's always a great chance to sort of you know, tell the stories. And um, I think, to be fair, there was, never, there was never really any issue with access to those, the dog players at the time. And as a result, you got to hear a lot more from them. You know, and um, it's... it's uh, you know, the league is probably like I feel like it's getting slightly bigger now, and mm-hmm. that's like that's still very hard to know how things are going to go over the next decade. Um, but it does feel like sort of levels are, are are in some areas are like growing, probably in terms of exposure, in terms of stuff, and and like obviously then there's a temptation for clubs to sort of start like professionalise everything in terms of like controlling access and you know. Yeah. You don't want to go too far with that in this league, though, as well, because like you, you know, every player I think is always selling themselves. Yeah, you, know? you need like, the, P- the, the league thing. needs the PR, and I, that would be yeah. your experience, definitely. I'm sure. You know, yeah, that's always been the way. Like there was never really protocol or, um, yeah, restricted access in terms of you might say, listen, I was asked to do this, or I was asked to do that, and then yeah. I go ahead. But then it came to a stage a couple of years ago that, you know, you sort of had to get permission. I got banned from doing media because they did. <laughs> They didn't you were too like honest. It. Well, it was listen. It was different owners and different people running it, so they they didn't want me. I suppose my opinion out there um, you specifically. Yeah, me specifically. Dan, Dan knows the story yeah, of it. Yeah, towards the end during Europe, but um, so yeah, when you when the when the league gets bigger and you get more people into it in terms of ownership and running clubs, um, and they try to be more professional, they will try. I suppose control every aspect yes. of the club and the game, and um, yeah, you lose. I suppose what the authentic bit of the League of Ireland has been, for, especially for journalists having access and relationships with journalists, and because they're a massive stakeholder in the game as well. Because yeah. listen, we need that for the game to grow here, and we need the the stories and the publicity and the good relationships. Like you sort of even saw the photograph of yourself in the dressing room with Damien Duff the other day, like and the journalists gathered around asking him questions and yeah. open with the time. Like that's what you need. You need you need time with these managers and you need them to be open and honest as well. It can't be just the usual platitudes and in interviews either. No, like and I think like the, I mean I I would always argue like that the league should often be pushed through its players. Now managers as well, like and maybe at times in the past there was too much on the managers. Like and I suppose I think back sort of twenty years ago when it was all sort of Dolan and Keely and yeah. and sort of uh, and you know Roddy like and and fairness they were they they were actually salespeople in their own way too yes and they were probably incredibly effective at it they would sometimes work together you know create <laughs> little feuds to, to to build up something and sometimes you think yeah you need that little bit of uh, you know that little bit of spice there and stuff too but I do think as well that like, the players are are a big thing too like you know the 
there's great stories out there. Like there's sort of there's some like really interesting people playing in the league who who you know in some cases like you know have have like experienced things you wouldn't sort of believe. You know, mm. and, and I guess what I'm talking about now, I'm more talking about maybe even the influx of some overseas players into the league. And like uh, you have someone like Serge Atakai who was playing for St Patrick's Athletics, say very you know excellent player. Uh, second half of the season, you know, he sort of, I think he left sort of Congo, took asylum in Finland. He was 12, 13, um, you know, played for Rangers. His, you know, football has taken him all around the world, and these people are sort of living and working here. And you know, these there are their stories are out there. You know, yeah. and sometimes like I know when you're pushing, say, you know, looking for coverage of League of Ireland stuff, it's very much like, oh, you know, it's, it's a League of Ireland piece, and there's a certain deep-seated thing that maybe might might linger with that but like a lot of there's actually some brilliant like human interest stories around the league and sort of every player probably playing in the league maybe at times has aspired to play at a, at a higher level but they have their own degree of their own struggle that is like um, you know that's that's taken them to where they are I mean like your book is a sort of a case in point like you've sort of spoken about yeah. the sort of you know the various battles you would have faced to maybe get to the level even that you did you know yeah, and um, every player like you said has their story because really like <laughs> Even at this age, I used to say, when you go out and play football, you're still like a little boy living a dream. <laughs> or you're still chasing a dream. Because you're trying to win that trophy. You're trying to be there tomorrow in the Aviva lifting. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what age you are. because You think you're younger in your head. like Yeah, but once you get it, once it's football, once it's sports, like you look at looking at everyone coming out of the Aviva from the rugby there. And it doesn't matter what age you are. You sort of lose yourself and you become <laughs> a child again. You know, with that sort of euphoria of sports. So as a player, that's what it is. And everyone has their sort of trials, tribulations, going through and like you said that story I didn't know you know obviously yeah, his history and yeah, there's, yeah. there's plenty more that you could go through and so much of that like in every the, player in this yeah. league probably has one because there's not like in other say other the, sort of the bigger codes or the more successful codes in this country a lot of people have come through a, very similar journeys like you know a lot Ford of academies yeah, yeah like the, you know, the, a lot of the Leinster lads I know there's individual stories within it but again they've come through a certain route whereas often you would look at sorry you can look at the pitch tomorrow you could have 22 players with 22 different stories you yeah. know and, and like you know who've, who've probably a lot of them maybe have been released at various times in their life they've had rejection at various times in their life it's probably certain that they all have to some degree and yet like this is why these moments for them, like playing in front of whatever the crowd may be tomorrow, is is a sort of reward for all the slog and all the sort of uh, the graft and, and those sort of dark nights which they've all pretty much endured. You know? <laughs> it's incredible. You forget about all these stories that are just nuggets of, it, of information and, and anecdotes that you need to get out there in the league. Just watching Matt Hardy there come off the bench uh, for Tottenham, by the way. Ben Davies equalising there about seven minutes ago, so it's now Tottenham 2, Leeds 2. Uh, like, Brian, when you look, and look, I, I don't want this to sound like it's in the past tense, but you said you're at a crossroads, but when you look, when you're talking about your career, and I guess it's because you have the book out as well, but like, when you look back in that glorious Dundalk era, um, like what? What's the highlight? What, what's the career highlight? I suppose when you when you look and think back, is there any particular? It has to be a collective. Yeah, it yeah. just has to be a collective of those occasions. Like yeah. you've gone through it loads of times in terms of you have that first day winning the the first league title, and it's all or nothing at home in front of your home, uh, in front of your own fans. But then you get the big European days. Yes, and title after title, but the first one's the sweetest. You know, it's like a cup final before the league. It's. It's rarely ever comes down to the last day we are playing yeah. the top two, and then you've got the big European nights, and then yeah, different cup wins and stuff like that. But so it's sort of like a it's a collective, um, yeah. And you you don't take it in too much at the time. You try to celebrate on that, but you're always just looking for the next one. Or you're always, thing. like I said, focusing on the one that got away. 
yeah. in terms of because that's just your sort of competitiveness and not happy. But um, yeah, when you look back on it, it's it's you know playing in the country here. It's it's the closest you could get to. I suppose, like I said, those boyhood dreams of being like Matt Doherty there and coming on in a yeah. stadium like that in the Premier League. And it's like the I think about the you know the All Ireland football and hurling finals and the players doing the the parade and the walk beforehand. Like the FAI Cup final is the closest we have, I suppose, to, in, in football in this country to that like special feeling at the Viva Stadium before a big game. Like, yeah. what, what, year, what year was your first FAI Cup final? Two thousand fifteen. Two thousand fifteen. So like, what, yeah. what's that? What's that like before the game? Because the build up is huge. The coverage it gets is huge. Yeah. Obviously, and it, for your first one, like. Massive, yeah, and you're nervous. You know, it's a it's a new feeling. Like I said, it's a showpiece, and everyone's tuning in. And people that we always say, like people that don't give League of Ireland time of day, they're probably tuning in that day, or there's a chance of them tuning in that yes. day and turning up. And uh, ah, it's just the nerves. You do get nerves and stuff like that the the first time. Um, and just everything, just even getting your suits to build up the hotel the day before, the no giddiness around the lads and yeah, no white yeah. suits. Although a few clubs have come close with it, a few <laughs> few <laughs> outrageous ones the last few years. I've never what was the dodgiest one? Bowes or Rovers had a couple yeah. of them, didn't they? Yeah, the Bowes one last year attracted a few comments, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. But um Yeah, it's just it's just a buzz. Like you're looking at I'm looking at Derry. We were up there last Sunday and we were walking around the town having a coffee, a few of us beforehand and there's some buzz like there's people sticking their head out the window and going we have a cup final next week like they're shouting at us on the, just for having a crack and yeah. then I see the fireworks last night uh, up on the hill down over the city like it's it's been a week long all the lads obviously I'd, I'd be close to a few lads up there they're in the schools all week and the schools are going nuts and it's um, when you have a town Dundalk could be the same the town get behind you like there he is there it's, yeah. it's just an incredible feeling like because it can get lost sometimes in the city. Obviously, within the area where the club is based, like the Shelburne fans will be uh, going nuts this week yeah. and build up to it. But sometimes the, that town feel, or when it is Derry or Dundalk or, or even Cork, you've got that. Well, that was the that was the thing. In fairness, though, like la- in saying all of that, like I mean, last year Bows and Pats well, was yeah, the biggest one um, since the the first one. I think. Oh, it actually, was bigger, wasn't it? it was, Thirty six thousand yeah, last year. Yeah, was the biggest, yeah, I think. yeah. yeah the, so. Like they actually got their act together, and I think actually, I mean, there's maybe a general discussion of like where the league is at at the moment. That I'm sort yeah. of interested to get Brian's view on that. You know, the minimum wage and various things that have, are happening. You kind of wonder what the next ten years are going to be like. Um, but in terms of the last ten years, for me, actually, one of the biggest differences has been probably Dublin clubs getting their act together in that regard. It's true you can't replicate that that sort of one club town thing it's because everyone's in that it's like a, it's like it's like a yeah, GA you know, sort of thing yeah. it almost becomes people may not necessarily be fans but they sort of identify with the team to some degree that's their team in Dublin that's harder but in fairness Bows and Pats and teams have started to like navigate the you know the the Dublin 7 or Dublin 8 or the, the sort of surrounding regions and I know Shells have tried to make some efforts to do some stuff in Drumcondra this week because like where is their fan base actually from they could be from all over the place you know yes. and, yeah. you know Shells actually you know have been have been Outside at times, you know, like there's there's sort of there's like the rings end element to it, like so, like the, a lot of the clubs in Dublin, like in or in some cases, they've sort of had nomadic histories, so like their their identity is sort of uh, moves around, and obviously within Dublin, like you know, you can mm-hmm. you know that as you yeah, as you would know well, like spread out, so it's sparse, and so it's you don't have a collective in one area, you know, following the, yeah. the one team. Like I have friends over my way on the south side, and they'd be big shells fans, obviously from going back years ago you yeah. know so if you've got people dotted everywhere you're not going to have that same atmosphere yeah. or that same feeling that you've got in a town where it's just everyone in the one direction yes um, it's funny the interest um, you talk about the interest in, in something like the cup final I remember sitting in 
Lisbon Airport last year it was for for the Dundalk Pats game and watching a stream or whatever on the on the laptop. There's two other Irish lads like obviously waiting flights as well, both doing the same thing. Like it was just people are now people, it's one of these prestigious events in Ireland that, that you just want to sit down and watch. Because there's been so many great cup finals as well. Well, great great endings. I mean, the mad yeah. thing about it is a lot of the games yeah. a lot of the games have been drama. Yeah. You know, like and like sometimes and like sometimes I, I don't know, like there's, there's that all maybe those elements that those factors that Brian speaks about there you know the, the nerves of the stadium or whatever I don't know why is it but yeah. like like so many of them have gone to extra time and penalties and <laughs> I actually would say that in recent years in a couple of the finals the extra times have actually all been pretty good yeah it's actually, last year it's, the extra time stole it 90 minutes yeah, yeah. No, like if the game had been judged on the 90 minutes you would have been thinking God, that was a you know typical like you know biggest crowd and and the game didn't deliver. But then Chris Forrester scores and then you know Bowes get it back and there's like goal line clearances and yeah. the game really opened up and it was a it was a cracker. I mean Bowes really could even have won it if there'd been a sort of a VAR thing in the sort of uh, in the 120 minutes. So like that that is you know that's like we're looking at tomorrow's game like and there's a lot of reasons anyway to to believe that Derry Shells tomorrow. Um, could be cagey because you would imagine I don't know Brian I think Shells like were probably I think they'll probably let Derry have the ball a bit and mm. sort of see if they can break them down so it has the it has the sort of potential to be that type of game but you're always hoping that there's like an early goal or something yeah, that will just, that will life, just yeah. spark it into life because yeah. once it gets nil all to uh, you know past 30 minutes you're sort of sitting there going <laughs> we're going to be Not here for, we're going to be here for another 90 minutes now you know we yeah. got a we got a text in earlier there to, to 53106 how well has Damien Duff done in his first season as Shelburne manager 7th in the league in the cup final with ticket sales well north of 30,000 and possible external investment coming in from Sports Republic that's from uh, Dave in Dublin he's He's been a revelation, like in charge. What a season! I mean, look, the, the league position to come up from the first division and, and secure that Premier Division status is brilliant. But to get to a cup final is just remarkable. He's got a future in management. This stuff, lad. Yeah, um, he's he's obviously played under Mourinho, I think. <laughs> yeah, um, because he's what he's done great is like when the squad was being put together at the start of the year. Like, it's not always have an opinion, and I have no no. Um, Qualms saying it, Dan knows I'd be honest enough at that start of the season. I thought Shell's going to struggle when they put yeah. it together because there's a lot of young players there. Um, and it wasn't the team I thought Damien Duff would put together. Yeah. Um, but what he what he has done is he's put a team together and they, they fight for him, they play for him, <laughs> you know. And the, um, he's obviously identified and said, right, first thing is stay in the league. Yes. Get up, like, you know, and they've had rocky patches. They're into the season, the last ten, twelve games. I think their their points tell you until that Waterford game mm. would have been wouldn't have been too great. But yeah. at the same time, maybe they're safe to consider they're more on the on the cup run. Um, but they've got a way of playing. Uh, they they work so so hard, and there's a few quality players, young mm. players in there, like with real real futures abroad. I'd say. Um, but in terms of uh, Duffer as a manager, yeah, I think, you know, he doesn't give a, a toss what, <laughs> what anyone thinks and it's just about them and it's nearly the siege mentality. Just they they have it, yeah. yeah. Oh, and and, yeah. And you know what I mean? That's his way. He's done that and that's what he wants to do. He's done that perfectly. Sleeping giant. Well, how? Well, sorry, I, I, just I, a giant. It's only a giant. Johnny, yeah, himself and Johnny were reunited <laughs> on our podcast this week. But, um, yeah, like, 
I think the thing about Shells is like the team actually seemed to quite like each other. Yeah. You know, like, they, like you actually, and you would talk they to the lads. Socialised together. Socialised together. Yeah. So and I know that, like, that some of that stuff can be superficial, right? I, I never recall a player giving an interview where he said the Spirit's pretty bad in the dressing room at the moment. <laughs> you know, like uh, we actually, you know, they're, they're they're a bad bunch of lads in there. But the Shells stuff, it is. I think it's very genuine. Like when they talk about sort of the the little rapport they have, and it's probably in some ways like, but and that's great, right? They've built something. But the, the texter does mention, like, there is talk of this investment coming. I say yeah. talk, I mean, it's my own story, so I should probably, like, stay here. <laughs> I, I believe this is true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There is something happening there with, you know, potentially pretty decent investment coming in. And, like, if they hadn't made the cup final, right, um, it's like that was, a, that was a good season. Like, that was decent. Yeah, you're, not, yeah. you're not putting it on some kind of pedestal as sort of what a season is. Like, that was, that was grand. The cup final has obviously elevated it. If they win it, I mean, it's an, it's an incredible season, you know. If they don't, okay. So, but, but, but I think my point is, like they're going to have to go to another level now, yes. and unity versus suddenly now they're they're able to probably bring in lads in a bit more money. And well, you're going to yeah. have to if you need yeah. to. Like the only thing is that there's that much always and everyone saying that they've had a great season. Yeah, is that the next step is you have to move forward. Football is you always have to progress. So mm-hmm. then you have to look to bring in a couple of people. It's hard getting that same character with people that have say more experience and. Uh, fitting the the dynasty with that team, yeah, you know, like you said, and it um so that's then the next step. But for this season, like you said, they've they've done good, they've done well in terms of their league performance, yeah. and then the cup has been brilliant. Like we mentioned, Birmingham City earlier, so that when they won the the league cup and then got relegated, like it, somehow Shelburne have managed to do both, both stay up comfortably, yeah. stay up and and get to a cup final as well. And it remains to be seen whether they'll win tomorrow. But that like that investment from Sports Republic. Like it's exciting. Like you look at the clubs like Southampton and, and Mitchell and uh, you know it, it's project. Brentford, Sports, Brentford. I'm sorry, Brentford. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, like it's real projects that this group take over. So like, yeah, that, that's exciting is. for Shelburne fans. Well, Brian's obviously been through big investment coming in, taking over of football course. club, yeah, uh, yeah. and there's a scepticism that's there. I suppose um, the thing about this uh, crew is, I mean, Rasmus Ankerson, the the main person involved with Sport Project, he's the co-founder. Like. He's, a, he's he's made his money through football. Mm. Like, now they are being backed by by a Serbian sort of magnate, but he's met his sort of the company's existence is based around football. It's not say uh, an investment firm that's met it's, that's been successful in yes. another field, mm. and then it's adding a football wing to it as a yeah. little bit of a let's see how this might go for us, you know. And that's I mean that's Dundalk, a big element. The dog have like lived through that, you know, and other clubs have probably lived through versions of that. So it's a little bit more data based. It's a little bit more strategic in terms of how they do things. It's really um, interesting. Like I'm. I remember yeah. a few years ago reading up on that, obviously the Midland and, and Brentford and Midland got into the Champions League yeah. off the back of it, you know. Yeah. Set pieces, statistics, all that. And Mike Tracy would have been, you know, an element Dundalk, of that yeah. side. He was yeah. at yeah. Dundalk, he was our chairman. And he was the sort of main man in front of Peak Six runner. And then really when Mike went away is is when I suppose our downfall came about that on that side of things. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's interesting. Mm. Jeez, if you're a Shelburne fan, you're... Yeah, like I mean, still, I mean, you're buzzing, like yeah, like it seems pretty close now. You still, when you you still want to see that done and and see what it means, and and obviously, like you know, they've they've got a club in Turkey, they've got um, they've looked at clubs in Europe, and it's still early days. Like these multi-club models are sort of taking off. Like you know, you have the Red Bull ones and the City Football Group, and to what extent is there a crossover between them? Like to what extent do they share players or? Do stuff like that, yeah. you know. That's it's it's to be seen, and like you have someone like Damien Duff, who's a pretty like 
um, you know, sort of a strong-willed sort of character, you know, and I'm, uh, is he necessarily going to be sort of ha- have his recruitment influenced by this type of yeah. stuff? So there's all these elements you have to, like, I don't know, like, you, you want to see what what it means to them and they might have different ideas for different clubs. So, yeah. like, I'm careful of jumping too far down the line with it, but it is more the case, and this is the point around the league, like, generally that um, it's, I think there's, like, people believing there's some potential here. Now, there's still always only one team can win the league, right? Mm. Only one team can realistically embark on that sort of champions route through the league that can lead to the group stages. And yeah. we've been here before in the past where everyone's chasing the same thing and and it creates financial problems. So there's there's that small little niggle there of going, okay, like we're having another crack at professionalism here. We had a crack at it in the two thousands and it it flopped. Yes. You know, because it was too much too soon and it just didn't work. We're we're trying to have an, having another go at it now. And I mean, Brian is a business sort of heading them as well as a sort of a football <laughs> one. And I don't know what you make of like where we're That's going. That's my like, worry for it. Yeah, is that like, give the minimum nearly, wage coming in this week, yeah. for example, which is a great initiative, you know, for players to give them a degree of security at a younger age. But then clubs are wondering how many people will be signed as professionals, mm. and so I don't know what your sense is and where we're going generally. That's kind of on both elements, like you say, the investment coming in. It's brilliant, especially when it comes from a football background, the people that have been through, I suppose, long-term in other clubs and then the minimum wage as well. Yeah. So what happens if like, I'm looking at Facebook this week and there's 11,000 jobs gone, looking at Twitter, looking at Salesforce, mm-hmm. looking at a couple of others, I'm like, right, what way is the economy yeah. going next year? And me and you were both about sort of following League of Ireland when I was only coming into the league and I was thinking, lovely, just, you know, I might not get to England, but I'll get a good wage here. Yeah. And then all of a sudden... I'm on 150 quid a Monaghan yeah, for a yeah. couple of years. Nothing wrong with Monaghan, by the way. Great no, place, nothing wrong. Place. It was 150 quid. I, I kind of <laughs> aspired to get more than. Yeah. But that was the realistic. And I'm, you know, just chasing a dream and slogging it out on pittance or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's when the crash came. Yes. And football just, like, clubs went, court cases, everything like that. Um, it's going to be secondary to investors putting money into a football club. You know the money, where the money's coming from. First of all, it's mm. going to be their prime concern and offload all costs. <laughs> so, uh, and that's where I suppose minimum wage comes in. The minimum wage shouldn't have too much effect in that because if you think like the minimum wage for over twenty year olds uh, on a full time professional will be four thirty a week. So what's that? Twenty two, twenty three. Yeah, yeah. Like the cost, of the the average wage in the country is probably thirty three to thirty six. Yeah, like it's not, not enough to live in Dublin no. four thirty a week. Well, I mean, Lloyd, well, as as has been pointed out, and the, the profile of the league is so young now that like mm-hmm. a lot of the players in Dublin, like the young ones, will probably be living at home. I think yeah, so well, fair. Or some get their accommodation, accommodation, a house for five of the lads yeah. or something put up. Yeah. Um, but then the good side of it is, like, I know a lot of people would read the headlines during the week, and it's nearly like an apprentice thing, is that because if that was the case from the age of 16, 17, 18 year olds they're not going to get chances in full-time clubs. Yes. So there is, a, it starts off, I think, at 230, 280, and then it goes 330, 380 for 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds. So under 18 is like two... Yeah, it's, I think it's 280. Yeah, yeah. So because that would hinder them if it was 430, because you're thinking, right, yeah. I have this, I can take a chance on a young lad and bring him on full-time. Or, but with 280, you will, and the young lad will say, yeah, I want to have a go. Of course. Um, not going to say no. Mm. No, exactly, sort of thing. So it is staggered like that, and then you go to the... And that's only for full-time professionals. Mm. Well, Stephen McGuinness made the point of the PFAI during the week. Uh, like, there's an amateur player playing in the cup final tomorrow. Like, he didn't name the player, but, like, mm. that's 
it's very mad when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, listen, that, that's... There's that, moving that, parts, though. Yeah, yeah. 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 that amateur player is, would be a young player who's just broken into the team yeah, yeah. recently enough. And this is the thing, like, uh, what happens to those type of players in the future? Like, our club's going to look at a 17-year-old promising player and in some cases say... Will we just keep them on those amateur terms until? Yeah, you know that's you get the that's the gamble. Anyway. You're entitled to the compensation. I mean, it all a lot of it just comes down to like the economics of letting players go, and um, there you know sometimes sometimes players don't necessarily they'll have people advising them not to sign a professional contract. Yeah. for some reasons, you know. Yeah, well. and people so, will say, well, they're going to get the compensation anyway, so they should sign the contract. But the other side of it is, and it's creeped in in the league here a lot, is that agents are looking to put in low buyout clauses yeah right so say your two clubs going off it and one club saying well no we're not doing that because we're not you know to get their sign on fee essentially well no to get them a move quickly well of course yeah abroad Um, and then another club will like right well if this gets us that player for a year then we'll do that yeah and as you've seen a couple of players but we'll let them go for 30 grand or whatever it might be yeah Yeah. that's it so then so there's there's that other side of things and then um, you know I think it's brilliant that it's come in um, because you know we started talking about it in the PFI Many years ago, um, and the FEI, it just you weren't even like we had a collective bargaining agreement that was produced years ago, and I think it only went in to them in the last couple of years because they wouldn't even open the door to look at it. Um, and then obviously, there's the, the new FEI as we talk about, but um, as was noted before, is that like all oh, stakeholders were going to have an involvement with this new FEI, but the players have never had a seat at the table, so yeah. hopefully, that's going to change. So, um yeah, listen, it's delicate, and you have to understand from clubs' point of views as well mm. that we're not—they're not cash rich, and the the I suppose varsity from the top clubs to the bottom clubs, yeah, it's major. Even in yes. the, even in the one league, is major. So it's a, it's a really complex and a hard thing to figure out. So it needs it needs everyone, but unfortunately, Irish football is always fragmented. So you always have everybody sort of wanting their bit instead yeah, of everyone of working together and pulling in the same direction. So. <laughs> Uh, loads of interesting talking points still to get into. We, we do have to take an ad break, but uh, plenty to, to still touch on between now and uh, five o'clock. Uh, just to update you on the Premier League scores. So Rodrigo has scored a second for Leeds. They they lead Tottenham 3-2 at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. 78 minutes on the clock now. Earlier, of course, Man City won Brentford 2. Uh, Ivan Tony with both goals, including a dramatic injury time winner for Brentford in that game. It's Bournemouth 3, Everton 0 now. Jaden Anthony has scored the third for Bournemouth. Still Liverpool 3, Southampton 1 on 78 minutes. Firmino with the first and uh, two from Darwin Nunez. Uh, Nottingham Forest have the lead against Crystal Palace. 1-0 at home at the City Ground. Morgan Gibbs-White has the only goal of the game in that one. It's still West Ham nil, Leicester City 1 at London Stadium. James Madison scoring the goal but going off injured. It uh, looked like a possible hamstring strain and a concern there for Gareth Southgate ahead of the World Cup. A uh, half-five game is Newcastle against Chelsea from St James's Park. And a little bit later on, Arsenal away to Wolves at 7.45 as they look to stretch their lead at the top of the Premier League table to five points after City's slip-up earlier. I do want to say as well today, St Mary's Gaelic Football Club members are proposing to kick a point in all 32 GEA grounds. With the permission of each county and the GEA, 16 St Mary's teams are travelling and hashtag kick a point for Shamey in two neighbouring counties. This fundraiser fundraiser is in aid of Seamus Brady, a lifelong member of St Mary's Gaelic Football Club in County Meath. It was in his capacity as a hard-working volunteer that Shamey fell from the roof 
at St Mary's Clubhouse in September of 2015. Uh, the club are reaching out to the GA community and the wider community to support Shami now in his hour of need. There is a GoFundMe page set up and you can donate by going to gofundme.com forward slash F forward slash kick a point for Shami hyphen between each of those words. You'll find more details of course on the St Mary's Twitter pages as well. Uh, loads still to get into it. Myself, Shane Hannan, we have Dan McDonald of the Irish Independent and Dundalk Club Captain Brian Gartland still in studio for OTB Football Saturday. Back after this. Yeah, welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. Shane Hannan with you through till five on OTB Football Saturday. Delighted to have Dan McDonald of the Irish Independent in studio and Brian Gartland, the Dundalk club captain as well, watching an absolute mad game here. There's just been a red card dished out to Tyler Adams as well for Leeds. Uh, 87 minutes on the clock. Tottenham 4, Leeds 3. When we left you before the break, uh, Leeds were 3-2 up. Uh, and Bintanker has scored twice in in a few minutes there for, for Spurs so it was 1-0 to Leeds early on after 10 minutes Crescentio Somerville gave them the lead Harry Kane equalised um, and it was Rodrigo then who gave Leeds the, the 2-1 advantage and it was 2-1 at half time Ben Davies equalising to make it 2-2 Rodrigo made it 3-2 to Leeds and then those two Bintanker goals 2 and 2 minutes uh, and a red card there for Leeds as well so an absolute mad one we're just chatting there during the Albright lads about the FAI Cup final tomorrow we'd, we'd take a game like this like Shelburne need to Shelburne need to find something but like, they, they, these two teams drew a couple of weeks ago I mean the bookies I know have Derry as convincing enough favourites for the game but Shelburne will will see it differently they'll try and find ways of breaking down you were talking about Derry's maybe lack of pace at the back as well as something they could potentially target um, well not necessarily lack of pace I just mean that Shells have their way of playing and yeah. They're very good at stopping other teams from playing. Uh, they counter attack, and then if Derry come out and sort of get sucked into just sort of camped in and too many players trying to attack too yeah. early, you're, you're leaving more space to cover. Um, not that there'd be lack of pace at the back, but they wouldn't be, I suppose, lightning quick at the back. Not many of us defenders in the league are, <laughs> but uh, but that's just the caginess of it, and you don't want to give a, a game away early because if you give a goal away to to shells early they'll sit in even more you know and like they said they're, they're really hard to break down they've 5-3-2 five, five, and the lads work so hard mm. um, and at the same time I think that's the best way for shells to play in a big pitch you know Derry's got great pace and talent there that they don't want to be leaving too much space exposed so um, we're hoping for an early goal we were yeah. saying there as Dan said a Derry goal yeah. um, just to open the game up Come here, yeah. the, the big pitch, right? Everyone, this is a constant uh, talking point for games in the Aviv. And I was actually... And I never materialised. But I was at the press day the other, the other day and uh, I remember years ago playing like a charity match on, on, the, on the pitch. Like, and it's, it seems like a pretty big pitch, but maybe all the pitches seem big to me at that stage. Like how, like how different is it to... Like you've done 120 minutes at, um, at the Aviva. Like, like where where is it bigger? If you know what I mean, is it wider? Is it sort of lengthwise? Like what what is it that people like people keep referencing that? Fact? Yeah, I'm, I don't have the the measurements of it, but I don't know. Maybe the perception of it is bigger because I suppose the space, the way the stadium goes up, there's people not right on yeah. top of the sidelines like in League of Ireland games. Derry's pitch is big. Daily Mount's really big. Mm. Like down in Wexford Youth, it's massive. So. Um, I've always found it's good for making the game expansive if you know controlling it yeah. with, with the ball and that. Um, 
but in terms of, I'd love to actually know the difference. But is it is it more draining to play on? Like, I mean, I kind of wonder: is it that no, the emotion? You, yeah, the yeah. emotion. Like, you do see players out on their feet sometimes at the end of extra time in some of these games. Like, the, I think the Bowes Pats one last year. Even you could even see. Oh, they were cramping after sixty. Forrester yeah, getting yeah. away from Buckley for the goal, and Buckley was sort of like, you know, keep Buckley a great player. Like, but he was sort of running in treacle. Like, you I know think what after I mean? sixty minutes last year, there was a couple of cramping yeah. in 60, 70 minutes. So, um, it obviously is just a little bit. I've, off the top of my head it seems a bit wider mm. um, and then maybe a little bit longer and then you put the two together it just adds in a few more yards between yeah. the lines and the gaps in the spaces mm. um, but I'd be I'd be expecting a, a KG yeah. enough as it is and to be. like last year and there's a lot of players there um, on both sides with Mignon Shells playing their first cup final and yes. like you saw it last year in terms of I think the difference was and I noted it there the likes of Paddy Barrett who's, who was no stranger to games like that he was probably my man of the match Forrester comes out with a, a cracker of a goal he's, he's played in so many big games he's played there before Robbie Benson it was it was no bother to him and Bowles <laughs> looked like they just had a little bit of nerves a lot of I suppose straight passes um, and yeah Cagey just allowed for that in the, at the start of the game and then when I look at Derry team I look at like obviously they have four or five of our lads from previous mm. who are no stranger to big events and a couple of other boys that have probably played there so I think on the day, that can be a, a difference maker. But um, then again, one mistake and, you know, one lapse of judgment. Pa- Patrick McElhenney's playing in his eighth FAI Cup. Jeez. Where he's going to stay during the week, which is... <laughs> that's extraordinary. Ridiculous, you know. Um, and that's, I, I actually think maybe in terms of numbers, I'm not sure if Derry have, have as many as you might think, but it's that a couple of them, the volume of games that they've actually played. You know, like Shells, I think of sort of Brendan Clark and, and Shane, Shane Griffin. And then Matty Smith is suspended. Like I think that's it in their squad. And so Griffin wouldn't say been a huge player involved in previous finals. But would, would have been a, a cork. Um, but the you know the the, the experience of somebody excellent lock lads at, at Derry would have be substantial. Mm. You know. But the the reality is for people who maybe wouldn't be sort of maybe too familiar with the sort of personality of the two sides. There's definitely a scenario where you see Derry sort of having a lot of the ball mm. um, in the Shelburne half. But the question is. Can they do enough with it? Like you mentioned the previous games between the sides this year. Yeah. Like all of them have been close. All of yeah. them have there's been injury time goals to decide it. Um and uh, a general criticism of Derry this year, they've had a lot of draws and there's been a lot of games where they've had a lot of the ball and they haven't necessarily won them. And um you can see how the final could become that type of game for them, you and know. And on the opposite, they're they're brilliant at that. They're brilliant they love it. at yeah. you know, they love it. They're, like I said, and they've got great talent, great young talent yeah. going forward that have a bit of flair when they do get on the ball, you know, and that sort of thing. And uh, Shane Farrell, you like, you were saying. Yeah, yeah, I think Shane Farrell's excellent. He, a lot of people obviously will look at Jack Moyle and he's, he's a brilliant talent. Great. Yes. And he's he's got a little bit of a pep and a step, a little bit of arrogance. And, you know, he, he kind of like <laughs> bit that. Of something if, about if him. I want a young lad on my team, I want a bit of that. You know, not over... Yeah, but you need that. And he's, he's like, you look at the way he finished the goal there recently. I was watching and he just roofed it. I think he robbed it up in Derry. Yeah. A straight pass out. And any player would just sort of side foot it in. Yeah. Just roofing an F. <laughs> you know, and uh, Shane Farrell, though, is just, I, I think he's really good. He's, he's, he's effective. His yeah. delivery from set pieces is very good. He works so hard. Uh, his awareness on the pitch and um, different things like that. So they've got great talent like that. We were talking about Sean Boyd's had a great season. Um, he can be awkward to to play against if he's you know he's if he's on his day, 
it can be very awkward to play against. Run out of time quickly here, lads, but a couple of texts coming into five three one oh six. Uh just having a look at previous winners and finals. Amazed to see a small club Longford Town won the FA Cup back to back in 03 and 04. Uh, also in the 2001 final of course Stephen Kenny involved I think went for a one wasn't he yeah. uh, Peter in Dublin um, surely the league needs the likes of Galway, Waterford and Limerick in the Premier Division proper clubs good facilities and a good following like it's, a, it's a fair point you need the big cities I suppose well, I mean look Waterford lost the playoff to UCD yeah. last night I think UCD probably motivated by a lot of people talking about what would happen probably when Waterford went yes. up or, um, but it is true like you know there was no club from Munster in the Premier Division this year there will be one next year for Cork City but um I mean, used to have earned their place, but it would be, I mean, it's, it's offensive to them and used to the, and I can understand why they would be riled by it, but it would be better for the league to have. Listen, as a player, you, you want to play in, like, you look at him at DC Park, it's a good stadium. Uh, you'd hope a, a good Galway club in the city would get a good crowd. Waterford, when we were down there, mm. you know, it's a big crowd in it and stuff <laughs> like that. And, but, listen, like you said, you have to earn your right to, to be there, and that's on the pitch, first and foremost. And, um, that's another story after watching that game last night it was so frustrating watching sort of thing because um, they couldn't break them down it's almost like yeah. the it's like some lads are playing five-a-side football you know <laughs> just trying to do it themselves mm. sort of thing you know um, and UCD stuck to their job Andy Moyle has done a great job and if like we talk about young players and talent in the league like there's a few crackers there yeah. as well and then of course there's the issue as well of the the, the system the promotion and relegation the fact that Waterford had to play what four games to mm. try and go up yeah. and, and UCD have to play one game to stay to stay in the division so fairly yeah. weighted against those division one teams but yeah there's a few factors in that but yeah like it's it's sometimes first division teams have used that for momentum I mean UCD yeah. were the first division team last year and they won you know mm. so but yeah yeah very fine lads score prediction for tomorrow no sitting on the I'll fence. Go. 2-1 Derry. 2-1 Derry. Dan? I'm going to go with Derry after extra time. I'm not, so as in, I'm saying a draw, but Derry to do it before. It's going to be a nil all in normal time. Right. But I'm just being hopeful here. Yeah, yeah. I'm going Damien Duff's Shelburne on penalties. Ah, uh, there we go. Someone's going to That's be the, the Monday, Monday morning story yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. ripping yeah. the stars. Uh, so listen, Dan McDonald, as always, thanks many for coming in. Brian Gartland, pleasure. Thanks, we'll have to get you in again soon, no doubt. Um, but really appreciate your time coming in this afternoon. Fair play. Uh, loads of action in the Premier League just finishing up Tottenham 4 leads 3 is a final score uh, Liverpool have beaten Southampton by 3 goals to 1 uh, in one of the other games as well still West Ham nil, Leicester 2 by the way uh, loads still to come on the show of course tomorrow Joe in the hot seat the paper review from half 11 on the social streams as well uh, two live Premier League games Brighton uh, at home to Aston Villa and of course Fulham against Manchester United uh, thanks a lot for listening today all the podcasts including Ray McManus from Sportsfile Football Saturday as well in the usual places and uh, on the YouTube so uh, we'll speak to you tomorrow good luck